Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we're going to be talking with another one of our elite students. We've been doing these coaching calls for the past few weeks where we've taken some of our elite students and uh, just had a one-on-one call with them, allowed allowed you just to kind of eavesdrop and listen in on the conversation and talk through some uh, some things that you can apply to your own business. And today is no exception. Today, we're going to be talking with elite student Jim Kukral. And uh, Jim is a, uh, a successful businessman and uh, has been speaking for a little while here. He's actually uh, had a, a background as a politician and so ran for public office. And so a uh, lot that we're going to cover and talk through. But Jim's in a spot where like, what, what do you do when you, you know what you're supposed to do, but you just can't make yourself do it? right? So Jim is a successful entrepreneur. He knows what his next steps are that he needs to take, but he's just having trouble staying focused and not being distracted on what he needs to do next. So if you are an entrepreneur or a person or a human who has that shiny object syndrome and you get distracted easily or you're having trouble getting to the finish line and things, we cover that and what exactly that uh, he and, and you can be doing to better take action and implement what it is that you're learning. So lots of good stuff here. And uh, by the way, uh, if you are someone who is interested in the Elite program and you'd like to learn a little bit more about that, then uh, we'd encourage you to apply for one of our free upcoming strategy sessions. You can do that by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, thespeakerlab.com slash apply. There you can apply for one of our upcoming calls where we can hop on a, a call with you, learn more about your business, what it is that you're looking for, and uh, we can talk through how we can help you and support you. So again, you can do that by going over to thespeakerlab.com slash apply. All right, let's get right into it. Here's this conversation with Jim. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Today, we are joined by one of our elite students, Jim Kukral. And uh, Jim has been a uh, successful speaker and uh, a politician, I might add. Is that correct? Yeah, I like to call myself a rehabilitated politician. Okay. Now, actually. All right. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. So, Jim, thanks for uh, hanging out with us for a few minutes today. Well, I'm glad to be here. I'm very excited to be part of this program. Cool, man. Let's start by getting a little bit of context on you. Tell us a little bit about who you speak to, what you speak about, how speaking fits into your world, and then also kind of give us a little bit of background of what led you to here. I wanted to speak to everybody, but then you guys told me I had to pick somebody. So I'm really an entrepreneur at heart. So I'm a teacher and I love to speak to startup accelerators. I love to speak to students. So I'm focused into the entrepreneur category, sales okay. meetings, people who want to increase their sales, marketing type of speaker. Okay. And I want to half of the time inspire people, but also get them to creatively think about ways that they can do better marketing and build better businesses and brands and start their own business. Okay. Cool. So you got a couple things there that we can dig into. You, uh, I'm curious on the, uh, the politician thing. So what did you do before the speaking land? <laughs> Well, it should be known that I've been in the internet business for, you know, over 20 years. 
So I've started companies, I've bought and sold companies, and for the last 17 years, I've been completely self-employed on my own, running internet consulting businesses, membership sites, building things for customers, helping them start online businesses. So it's real interesting. I made a huge mistake in 2015, as you alluded to, and that mistake was I ran for a political office in a small town that I lived in. Now, let's and be clear. Mistake, I didn't say it was a mistake. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, it was a mistake. Believe me. That decision almost ruined my marriage of 21 years. Wow. Almost completely decimated my business that I had been building up for 16 years and almost completely ruined my good name in my community. And it was really a transformational moment in terms of me and my career and my life and my business and my marriage. And I got to the point after that, I said, I need to do something different. Now, I had been speaking, not professionally, for years. I've probably done 75, 100 gigs and probably 10 of them paid. And I would just speak when someone called and say, hey, would you come and talk? I've done rooms of 3,500 people. I keynoted a major event once. And I've also done a room where I actually spoke to one person in a room at yeah. one point. And so I, but I've never done it professionally. I've never done what you do, which is sit down, prospect, reach out, try to get paid to speak. And that's why I joined this program. And that's where I'm going in 2019. At least I'm trying to get there. So where does the interest in speaking come from? So you mentioned that, you know, you've been involved as an entrepreneur for, you know, a couple of decades, you've been self-employed for a while. Um, You've tried a bunch of different things. Why speaking, but then also uh, how does speaking fit into what you're doing long-term? Ideally, is this something where you're like, Hey, um, in the next, you know, couple of years or something, I want to make the transition to go all in on speaking. Or is it like, speaking is really fun. I'd love to do it, you know, a few times a year. And if I can get paid, that's ideal. And, And kind of a, you know, a, a way like a lead gen source or what's the win for you with speaking? Well, well, first of all, I love speaking. I enjoy it. I love being on stage. I love seeing the reactions of people. I love seeing them nod when you make a point. I love seeing all, I love that. I love the whole aspect and I love teaching people. I'm really interested in that. So, you know, I wrote this book called attention. This book will make you money almost 10 years ago. And I wrote that book as a lead gen for my consulting business And it translated into a lot of business and speaking gigs as well. But again, I never did it professionally. I never went out and reached out and looked for that. So speaking for me now is different because my kids right now are 17 and 14. You know, during that time growing up, I made a conscious decision to not go on the road. I saw too many of my friends, many of whom you're friends with as well, that were on the road three weeks out of the month. And they were here, 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 and they make all kinds of money doing keynote speeches. They do really well financially. I did not want to be, not be around for my children. So I made the decision I was going to create passive income businesses. I was going to build membership sites. I was going to do consulting, and I was going to do it all virtually and locally so that I did not have to be on the road. Now, things have changed. My kids are 17 and 14 now. They're in high school. And I'm at a stage in my life where I'm okay with getting back out there. Yeah. So that's why I want to move into the professional speaking thing because I'd really like to be out there and talking with people and build an income around it. I mean, yeah. that's important to me as well. So in terms of just kind of next phase, a business, the next phase of life, it sounds like you want to be speaking full-time and then within the next few years or so? Uh, yeah, I mean, not full-time. I mean, I still have my internet businesses, but they're, they're yeah. passive income businesses. They run on their own. I can run those from a coffee shop in Omaha. 
Yeah. Right. It doesn't, I don't have to be in front of a computer in my office to run my businesses, but it's really more about the passion. Sure. The income is part of it. Right. But I really would like to travel a little bit in the United States and around and go and actually talk to people and help people. I, like I said, I'm a teacher. I'm a son of a, a school teacher, 40 years who taught English. And I teach, uh, I used to teach for the University of San Francisco's internet marketing program as an adjunct professor for them for over 10 years, where I taught students all over the globe about every type of internet online marketing you can think of. And I enjoy it. But I love being on stage and actually communicating those things to people. So that's what I want to do. I want to get out there and start really helping people. Cool. So it sounds like you've got a lot of experience, um, both professionally, but as well as, as speaking, it had some mixed results in terms of being paid versus some free things that you've done. Sounds like in the in different industry events. So what's your biggest challenge currently? How, how do you feel like we can best help you? So first of all, the, the program's been great. The, the, it's given me focus. It's helped me get my materials. You know, one of the hardest things to do, even though I know how to build websites and write copy and build yeah. brands for other people, one of the hardest things to do is do it for yourself. 100% and that's why I knew I had, to, yeah, I had to join your program because I knew that that was going to be the thing that was going to help, you know, help me figure out what I needed to do to, to laser focus in. And to be honest, that is my biggest fault. I'm the master of everything and the specialist in really nothing. I chase butterflies, right? Yeah. I see this, I go here. I see this, I go here. I'm a serial entrepreneur, chronically unemployable person who's got ideas coming out of his head left and right, and I need focus, which is right. why I have to invest in programs like this. So my biggest issue with the speaking business is sitting down and actually doing the prospecting in a systematized way through like a CRM and actually setting that up and following through like a salesperson and going through and making those calls. I got the marketing end of it covered, got the presentation covered. I need more help setting that, those systems in place. Got it. Okay. So before we get to that point, let's kind of backtrack for a second because you touched on at the beginning that some of the speaking that you've done so far has been a lot to entrepreneurs, a lot about marketing, a lot about sales. You mentioned kind of a couple different categories there. So how would you kind of summarize who you speak to and what's the problem that you solve for them? So the biggest thing that I speak to when I talk to entrepreneurs is, you know, I have a thing called how to fire your boss before you get one. And that's for entrepreneurs who are just starting out. College students is a great place to start for something like that. And what I do is I come in and inspire them. I mean, look, there's never been a greater time in the history of the world to start a business from your phone, yeah. not from just from your computer. So I like to inspire people to understand that they can build a business around a lifestyle. I wrote a book called Business Around a Lifestyle. And I'm a firm believer that you should be building businesses around your lifestyle, not the other way around. Yeah. What do you want to do? Do you want to work four hours a week, as Tim Ferriss said, right? Well, fine. Then design a business around that lifestyle. And the internet gives you that opportunity to do that. So that's one of the things I talk about. But really, my big thing is I have a brand called Unskippable. Now, I wrote this book called Attention almost 10 years ago, and Unskippable is the new talk where I'm talking to sales teams, C-suite people, uh, executives, entrepreneurs, anyone who's willing to listen. And it's all about learning how to purposely attract new customers, stand out in the marketplace, rethink your marketing, and become a better brand and business. So those are the two different targets that I'm going after. 
Okay. So let me repeat back what I think I'm hearing here. So the first group that you mentioned was speaking to college students, fire your boss before you get one, helping them understand you know, how to start a business and just the opportunities that exist within the marketplace. And then the right. second one that you mentioned was more C-suite executives. Um, you also mentioned anyone that will listen, which is not what I want to <laughs> hear. Um, I know, I know. Uh, but doing that as it relates to the topic of attention and uh, and, and kind of go on that route. So they seem like, you know, in some ways too similar, but also two very different paths. So which one feels more appealing to you? Uh, which one do you have more experience with or interest in? All right. So the long-term answer is I'd like to speak to everyone, but you told me I'm not allowed to do that. I'm not, not doing that. that. not going to let that happen. Here's, here's the problem though, Grant. When I speak to friends of mine who make twenty-five, dollars $30,000 a keynote, they tell me the exact opposite. They say, you can speak to everybody. You just have to start slower. So I agree with both philosophies, but I'm in your program. I'm listening to you. So I'm focusing on the entrepreneurial aspect of this, which is why I've been doing outreach to entrepreneur organizations, colleges, which is why I've been really focused on targeting startup accelerators. Okay. I've been getting lots of great feedback. I've booked three or four gigs with startup accelerators. Now, I'm not getting paid for these gigs, but I'm treating this whole process of the first half of 2019 as a comedy show set at two in the morning, right? I purposely gone out and said, I'll speak to anyone, even if it's two people in your office, just so I can hone my deck, get yeah. my jokes down, get the presentation down. So that's really where I'm at right now. But I yeah. love speaking to entrepreneurs. I'm passionate about entrepreneurs. Okay, let's go back to something that you mentioned before, because I think this is helpful for you and for the audience that the friends that you talk to that say, speak to anybody and everybody, right? I got a huge issue with this. And so I couldn't let it just go. I know. And so, all right. So the people that would say something like that, how long have they been speaking? I know what you're going to say. They've been speaking for 10 years or more, right? right and they right. built that base, right? Right. So the point being is that it's really, really hard to compare what someone does, you know, 10, 20 years into their career versus what we should be doing when we're getting started, right? So what you do today in your own non-speaking online business is different than what someone who's just getting started would be doing, right? And so in the same way of like, we think about other big personal brands. So you think about beforehand, we were talking a little bit about Gary Vaynerchuk, right? So Gary Vaynerchuk is known today as a guy who can speak on probably just about whatever he wants to. And an organization is hiring him because he's Gary V, not necessarily because what he talks about. But when Gary was getting started, what did he talk about? And only talk about? He only talked about wine. Wine. That was it. A hundred percent was wine, right? So all he does is just like, I'm putting my flag in the ground for wine. I'm going to do that for a long time. And then I start to expand. Okay, now I'm going to talk about social media. And now I'm going to talk about, the, and it expands over time to the point now where yes, he could talk about whatever, but he couldn't do that from day one. So you know that, and I know you know yeah. that. And I just want to make that caveat for everybody's sake. Okay. So you mentioned, and I like the approach that you've got right now. I'm just trying to get reps in. I'm trying to earn chops and just get better as a speaker. And the way that you become better as a speaker is you get on stage. You know, you can only talk to your kids and your spouse and your cat so many times before it's like, I'm not getting any really good feedback on if this is working or not. So getting in front of a live audience is, is absolutely one of the best things that you can do. So again, coming back to you mentioned the, you know, speaking to college students, but also speaking to entrepreneurs. Like, where do you want to go with this business? Like, who do you want to be speaking to long term? So, right. I wrote that book, Business Around a Lifestyle. Just because I want to get on the road doesn't mean I want to be a road warrior. So yeah. I've said that I'd be okay with doing two to three gigs a month 
you know, within my region. I don't want to go out to LA one week and come back and go out to Vegas three days later. Yep. I'll do it, but I still don't want to be on the road that much. Again, yep. I have businesses that are that can run on their own. So I have kind of a little bit of a luxury. Yep. So I don't need to be this guy that's going to be a road warrior guy. So what I would really love to do is go out and speak to startup entrepreneurs, people like that, who really need to hear the message about how to build their brand, how to think differently about their marketing as they grow their business or start their business. That really gets my uh, my juices flowing, I guess the best way to say it, when okay. I get on stage and I can help those people. Okay, so let's go back for a second because you mentioned at the beginning, in your career, you've done 75 to 100 gigs, around 10 of those have been paid. Are there is there one or two that come to mind where you're just like, that gig was amazing in terms of it checked the boxes of great client to work with, great audience. It totally resonated. It, it was fulfilling and rewarding for me. It was a great fit for what I was talking about. It paid well. It just it checked every box I'm looking for. Is there one or two that come to mind for you there? Well, yeah, the best gig I ever had was the keynote at the 3,500 person conference, right? Okay. So they bought you know copies of my book for every single person in the audience. I got the main cool. keynote slot. Here's my problem, Grant is I'm a good speaker. I'm not a great speaker. And I understand that. I've never sat and really created a deck that and a presentation that is a complete keynote wow. If somebody said, Jim, come speak, even that keynote, I would spend a week preparing that when I should have spent six months or nine months creating it, right? So because I didn't treat it like a professional business before, I was just kind of half, you know, what in it mm-hmm. when I was going out and speaking. And I understand I can't do that if I want to get to the stage I want to get at, which is why I'm part of this program, which is why I'm spending so much time, so much effort hiring coaches and consultants and writers, people to help me hone that message. Now, I finally come up with a brand and a deck and a presentation and a book I'm writing that I believe is going to be something that people can latch on to because I'm a big believer in building on a brand of something, you know, and having something that people can attach to besides just your name. Yeah. And that's what Unskippable is. And and that's where I'm moving forward. So that's what I'd like to do. Okay, gotcha. And so it sounds like somewhat-ish clear on who you speak to, what you speak about. Right. And then are just at this point having trouble beginning the process of reaching out to them, of following up with them and just having a system in place. Yeah, that's the big thing. You know, I've got the HubSpot CRM. I've looked at other CRMs. Mm-hmm. Like I said, to get me to sit down and, and do it, like I'll give you a good example. I started your program. Then I went out and while I was going through your program in the beginning, I just wanted to impulsively start reaching out to people. So I probably found 100 to 50, 250 events that I filled out application forms for, emails that I sent out using agents. And just reached out to people. Guess what? I didn't record any of them in a CRM, in a spreadsheet. Like yeah. it just went out into the ether. Yep. And I know, and I know that was a mistake, <laughs> but I did it anyway. So that is my problem right there. Yeah. That, that's why we tell you to trust the process and go through it right. in the sequence that we tell you. So, okay. Some of these events that you have done, or it sounds like some of the events that you've even reached out to, um, is it that, okay, I've reached out to a few and I'm not getting any response or I'm just like kind of, it sounds like almost haphazardly reaching out without any type of process or system or rhyme or reason to it. 
Well, I mean, I've got my own templates of what I send out. I do the, you know, obligatory who evaluates your speakers thing. If I get a response back, then I try to get them on the phone and try to talk to them that way. So I've booked gigs. I mean, I did book a gig in Vegas this summer. I booked a, a conference that's like a 3,000 plus conference this summer. Now it's not a main stage. And guess what? I'm not getting paid for it, but they're going to buy 100 copies of my new book. And they're going to put me on one of their side stages and pay my travel and expenses out to Vegas. And I'm going to get that. So I made a decision to do that, even though I'm not getting paid for that, because I thought it would be good exposure to have my name out there and things like that. Okay. Yes, but I'd also, yeah. But I'd also like, I would disagree with like, you're not getting paid. Like they bought a hundred copies of the book, you know, they're paying for your travel yeah. for you to come out there. So I, I would say this is like, again, it's just kind of a little side note. I think sometimes we view speaking as either I got a check or I didn't get a check. Right. And it's a, we view it as a very black and white type of issue versus the reality is, is like, if you go there, let's say you speak and they buy a hundred copies of the book and let's say you book, you know, a, a consulting client out of it. And then you book another speaking gig out of it and you can trace, you know, I don't know, 10, 15, $20,000 worth of revenue to this one event. All of a sudden you're like, I didn't get a check from it, but dang, that was a really valuable event. Right. But, it, but you have to be strategic on which events those are. So it sounds like, again, you've reached out to some, but it's just having, just lacking the system of follow through or follow up is the main challenge right now? Both follow through and uh, the prospecting, I figure out. Look, my wife uh, doesn't work. She is, she decided to stay home with the kids 17 years ago. She was a professional person in an advertising agency. She made more money than I did at the time, but she decided, we decided together she wanted to stay home. So I have her, I can have her start reaching out to people, Mm -hmm. but I need to put, give her the system and show her how to use it so she can do it for me while I'm running these businesses. So it's going to be a team effort here, but that's exactly what I need. I can find the events. I've used your tools and your training to discover events. I need to put it in a system and do the follow and get them in and then follow up. Now we give you that follow up flow chart. Once you contact someone, then what do you do from there? And so have you, Played with that? Worked with that at all? No, I haven't. I I, I, I knew the answer. Look, I just wanted you to say it. <laughs> well, I'll admit it. I'll admit my failure. I had failed a million times in my career. I got to a point in your system, I think about the halfway point, and I stopped. I'll admit it. And I stopped because I just didn't want. My brain told me, "Oh, this is the hard work part." I did all the fun stuff, which I love doing: building the website, the video, yeah. the marketing materials. That's all the stuff I love to do. But I got to the hard part yeah. and I stopped and I need you to push me or somebody to push me to finish it. Yeah. Yep. That's why I paid, right? So this is the part two where, and I've always said this about, about the speaking business. And I don't think this is exclusive to just speaking. I think this is, you know, you have a lot of experience as an entrepreneur, Jim. So you know this to be true, that building a business is easy, but it's not, it's, it's it requires work, right? And so it's kind of like, it's like the analogy of, okay, I want to get in shape. What do I need to do? Well, there's really two things you need to do. It's really easy. It's really simple is you need to pay attention to what you're eating and you need to exercise. That's really it right now within that, that's a really difficult thing to do. And it's a lot of work, but the core concept of it is pretty simple, right? And so the same thing is true whenever it comes to speaking is it's not overly difficult, but it's still hard work. It requires effort and discipline. So let's kind of walk through this. So first of all, it is important of like, once you have that, those contacts that you would reach out to, that then you have a system of what you do from there. And the, the, the importance of setting up the system means that 
you don't have to think about it in the same way that you've, you've set up systems for your other businesses that you don't have to think about, right? They are running right now in the background. Why? Because you've set up a system that makes them do that accordingly. So one of the, the key ideas whenever it comes to, to that follow-up is you send that initial email and then you have a system of what happens after that that you don't have to think about, right? It's like you push the first domino and all the other dominoes fall. And so your next step is you're basing your second step on what their step is, meaning that did they reply? Did they not reply? What did they say? What did they not say, right? And it kind of takes you down this flow chart of what to do from there. So let's say what's going to typically happen is you're going to reach out to a potential client. You're not going to hear anything from them, which is not uncommon. For some of them, they're just flat out not interested and they're ignoring you. For some of them, they're interested, but they, you know, they have a bunch of other urgent things that are on fire where this is something that's important, but not urgent. It's not top of their inbox, right? And so as you go down these two paths, what we typically do is we follow up usually three times, um, send the initial email and then follow up two more times with that third email being basically a, what we like to call a ball in your court email. This is where you're saying, hey, I I know you're busy. I know you have a lot going on. I don't want to be annoying. I don't want to be a pain. I'm going to leave the ball in your court. If you'd like to talk further, I'd love to chat with you. You know, something to that effect. And I find that that ball in your court email gets such a great response because it just shows people, again, two things. One, you're not trying to be annoying. You're not trying to be a pain. You're not trying to be a pest. But two, it puts the impetus back on them and has them going like, oh, dang, this is important. I do want, I've been meaning to reach out to this guy. I've been meaning to follow up with this person. If that, you know, checks the box for them. And for some, again, that it's not important, they will have ignored it, which is fine. But let's say then like, once you talk to someone, one of the things that we kind of talk through is once you talk to someone and they express any level of interest at all, you want to call them. You want to pick up the phone and call them. And my guess is, is like, once you call them, you probably feel fairly comfortable with that. Am I guessing correct? I've done, you know, 10,000 sales calls in my life. Sure. You know, and, and I know how to close on the phone, right? So yeah, getting somebody on the phone is really good for me. Absolutely. So, so getting someone on the phone is the goal. But what happens from here is speaking is typically a different sales cycle than other things. You know, if you and I go out to lunch and we're trying to, you know, figure out what to eat for lunch, it's something that we can make a decision on right now. There's no committee, there's no board, there's no other group, there's no other people that need to be involved. But when it comes to something like speaking in the same way that like, you know, hiring a big consulting firm or hiring some, making some type of significant purchase, is typically going to require more investment. So knowing that going into that first call, it's rare, if at all, that you're going to get a a, a booking out of that. What happens there from that point, you talk to someone, they express any level of interest, you call them, you have a good conversation. Here's where I think most speakers really drop the ball is then they don't do any of the follow-up, right? So what happens is you have a good conversation with a, a potential client and they say, hey, you know, that, this sounds awesome. And the speaker kind of leaves it as this is great. I would love to work with you. So, you know, if you need to hire a speaker and when you're ready to hire a speaker, I hope you think of me type thing. And we just kind of leave it like that and we don't do anything else. What you always want to do, and here's where again, that process and system comes into place is you always want to figure out what is their next step. Okay. I had a great conversation with you. What are you going to do with the, like, as a potential client, what are you going to do with this information? Do you have a committee meeting? Do you have a board meeting? Are you in the, like, do you even have an event planned or is this just like you're kicking tires? I'm just trying to gauge all of this. And then I'm going to schedule a follow-up based on that. So if they tell me, yeah, we have a, uh, uh, our committee is meeting in three weeks and we're just in the process of gathering some information on some potential speakers. Awesome. Do you mind if I touch base with you in three weeks? 
Yeah, sure. Because they say that knowing that they don't think you're going to actually do it anyway, right? So when you do all these little touch points, so if you do this over the course of several months and you've followed up multiple times with them when you said you would, part of what this is doing is this is kind of a, a precursor of what it's like to work with Jim, right? Because this goes back to something you said earlier that I want to point out is you said that you're a good speaker, but you're not a great speaker. But part of what they're hiring you to do is to do a great job, right? They want you to deliver as a speaker, but they also want you to be someone that's good to work with. And you understand this in business, that if someone delivers an amazing product, but they're a pain in the butt to work with, people don't want to work with them. But if you are a, a quality speaker and you're amazing to work with, and by amazing, that can be as simple as when you had a conversation with them and you said you were going to follow up in three weeks and then you did it and they ask you for something follow up and you sent it within an hour or a couple hours or they express some interest and you made a call right then. All of those little touch points go into the whole thing of this is what it's like to work with Jim, right? Once you set up that process, then you're kind of setting some of those follow-up tasks in place that either you or your wife could do probably like once you've made contact with them, probably you do because nobody's going to be able to sell you better than you. So once you're doing some of those follow-up tasks, then it's like you're, you're scheduling those follow-up tasks, but you're not having to think about them, right? I'm not trying to think about what tasks do I have four, three weeks from now or five months from now? I don't think about those. I put those into the system, whether that's HubSpot or whatever you use. And then again, when those things pop up, then you're following through on those, but you're putting those tasks in place so that you then have the, the system to follow up with them. Does that make sense? Are you tracking? Makes total sense. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm part of this program. I'll give you a good example, okay? I had a conversation on the phone through my email contact with a person who is the media per- or the marketing person for one of the largest collections of startup accelerators in the country. They have chapters in almost every city around the United States and, and overseas. I got on the phone with her and she said, well, I love what you're talking about. This sounds really great for startup accelerators. And the decision that we came to together on the phone was she wasn't going to just promote me to everybody. I said, look, I'm looking at your chart right now. You have chapters in Pittsburgh, Detroit. Those are all within driving distance of me. Would you just hook me up with those people, right? And then I can start developing the relationships with them. And then they're going to come back to you and say, Jim did a great job. Then you might want to promote me to your other chapters all over the country because I'm a businessman. I think it would be great if I could get one client who would ship me to all of their chapters all over the country sure. as opposed to me having to reach out. I'd love to speak 30 times just to them in one year, right? So here's where the stage is at right now. It was a couple of weeks ago and she did not get me those contacts yet. So I did not follow up yet, which I have to do right now, which I need to go out and say, I, look, you know, give, I don't want to be a pest email. But you said you were going to give me those contacts or introduce me to those people here. And that's where I'm failing is I haven't put that system in place to remind me to do that because I got too much other stuff going on. And that is going to be the death of my business moving forward. And I know that. And I know you taught me that. And again, I'm one of those people. I just got to sit down and make it happen. And I know how important it is, but you just got to do it. So this lady that was going to make some of those introductions, tell me again, your relationship or connection to her. Connection was I cold emailed her organization saying who evaluates speakers. She replied back. I'm the person in charge. I said, Hey, would you like to get on a phone to talk about my presentation called unskippable, how to purposely attract customers, lifetime customers. It's perfect for startup accelerators. We got on a phone call, 
had a 30 minute conversation. She said, this sounds great. She watched my video. She said, wow, this looks very professional. I love everything you're telling me. How do we get started? And then that's when I made the suggestion. Why don't we just start some introductions to local places where I can come out and speak? And that's where it was left off. Okay. And so, she hasn't followed through with that. Okay. She's so busy. I get it. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. And so you reach out to a potential client, they say they're going to do something. And so one of the things that you want to do on that call is to to establish what the next step in the process is and then get permission for yourself to follow through. So let's say that you're talking with, with her and she says, I'd love to make some introductions. Awesome. That'd be cool. What would be the best way to do that? Is it best if, if you email those to me? Do you know when you might have a chance to do that? Okay. So is it cool then if I touch base with you, you know, next week, if you haven't had a chance? Oh yeah, yeah. Please ping me and, and follow up with me if you haven't heard anything. So then when you get to the point where you're following up, all you're doing is doing what you said you would do and doing what they gave you permission to do. You're not being annoying. You're not being in pain because she told you she was going to do something for you. You said you were going to follow up. She said it was okay for you to follow up. And then you're just doing those things, right? Now, again, it may feel like, I'm golly, I'm just, why doesn't this lady just give me what she said she's going to do, right? Which is hard because you can't, you know, you can't control her. You can't control what's happening on the other end, but you're at least following through and doing what you said you would do versus like what you said now is, it sounds like I have a really good conversation with someone. She said she was going to do something. And then I just left it at that. And maybe she will send it. Maybe she won't. But I, there's no system in place for, for me to know what to do from here to capitalize or do something with that conversation. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll give you another example. I have a very hot lead with a, a guy who is the chapter meet leader or organizational chair for learning for entrepreneur organization here in town. And I reached out to him in the same manner. We actually had a phone conversation. I sent him a copy of my book, right? A physical copy of my book. And I followed up. I said, did you get the book? He said, yes. Then he said, let's have another conversation. And literally last night I emailed him again. I said, hey, did you get a copy of the book? I know you haven't thought about learning for this fall yet, but I'd like to get on the book, get on your calendar for your learning event this summer. And, he's, and he responded today. He said, Jim, my operation manager quit. This happened. This happened. Again, he's very busy, right? He doesn't have time to worry about this event that he's got to plan seven months from now. So I get it. So today he said, give me your cost. Give me what you want to do. And I did. I sent him an email. I said, here's what I want to do. I'll do a speaking, speak for 45 minutes, and then I'll do a two-hour workshop for your audience. And because you're local, here's a hometown discount. I only have to drive down to your place. Mm -hmm. And I haven't heard back from him because I just sent the email last night. But I'm pretty confident I'm going to get that gig after all those steps, the phone call, sending them the book, the follow-up, the quote. I'm pr I feel pretty good about that. Yeah. But here's the problem. If I want to do more gigs than just one a year or two a year, I got to put that in the HubSpot and do a better job of the continuous follow-up. Yeah. Or I'm not turning this into a business. I get that. Yep. Right? Like the woman from the Startup Accelerator organization, that's a hot lead. That's a big lead. If I could get and impress those people in those two local chapters, they could ship me out to every chapter. But I didn't put it in my HubSpot. I didn't put it in the calendar to remind myself. So another week went by when I should have followed up with her. And again, I know what I have to do. I'm just not doing it, Grant. Yeah. That is that I've been an entrepreneur for long enough to know what my, my faults are. And that's why I joined your program. So kick me in the butt a little bit. All right. So we've been kicking you in the butt here. Like, you know what you need to do. So what's going to be different whenever we wrap this up? What's going to be different is I'm actually going to start going into HubSpot, set it up, follow the training, 
and begin that systematized process. Like, I know what I have to do. I keep saying that. But years and years ago, I was doing everything myself. I hired my first virtual assistant over 10 years ago, changed my entire life, changed my entire business. And I know that that worked for me. Yeah. But yet, and I know that systematizing things and coming up with people to help you do things helps, but sometimes you just need that little push to get you over, right? And that's why I joined your program. That's why I find what you teach so inspirational. And that's why I love coming on a call like this with you because now I'm going to feel a little bit more accountable. I'm going to go tomorrow and I'm going to sit down and get the HubSpot systems put in place and everything in and start really working it. So I'm going to do it. Are you going to do it tomorrow? I'm going to do it because I want to come back on this podcast in six months and tell you about how I did it and how it worked. Deal. I would like that. So the other thing I would say though is I totally, like one of the things that I notice is that there's a lot of speakers that are very, very good at speaking and they just suck at running a business, right? Then you've probably read the book E-Myth by Michael Gerber. And one of the things he talks about is there's a big difference between you know the, the, doing the skill and actually running a business. So just because you are good at baking bread doesn't mean you should open a bakery. And the skill of baking bread and the skill of running a bakery are two very, very different skill sets, right? So one of the things that you could do is you, you mentioned like you can surround yourself with other people who may be able to help in other ways. So like you mentioned your wife, sounds like she may be more organized and administrative than you are. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) The one of the things that could happen is all of the, like, once you have someone that is shown some type of interest, whether that is the, this lady with the startup organization or the startup accelerator or this other local lead that you mentioned, once you have someone at that point and like you're having a conversation and this is going well, maybe your wife helps you with just scheduling the follow-up task. And all your job is just to come in on a daily basis and and just check off the task, right? Maybe something to that effect. You forget of like, I forgot to schedule the task, but maybe she's involved with her role is to schedule the task. Your role is just to execute on it, right? Which is fine. But again, just having something in place where you're having a long-term perspective, knowing that each person you talk to, maybe they don't book something today. You mentioned the guy that the local gig that he may not be able to book something today because fires are happening within the business and such and such quit and all this is happening. But if he has an event in the fall, at some point, he's going to have to make a decision on who he's hiring and what he's hiring for. So you having the system in place of, man, I, I totally get it. Like you, business is happening. Things are overwhelming. Is it cool if I touch base with you in two weeks? Yeah, yeah, totally. Like things should be died down by then and I should be able to get my head above water and I'd love to be able to chat then. Awesome. And then you schedule a task to follow up within two weeks. So either you schedule that or your wife follows, schedules it and you do it. But there has to be something there that you're yeah. not just leaving those things open-ended, that you're following up until they tell you otherwise. Yep, yeah, you're exactly right. I'm an author and everyone, in, when you write books, they have this romantic dream that you write a book and then the publisher comes and they write you a big check and they send a limo and you have this launch party for your book and everything. I think in my brain, in the speaking aspect of things, I want to just be the talent. I want to be the guy who they send the limo for at the airport. You get off, the guy's holding the sign. You walk on stage, you wow everybody. And then they hand you a check and they send you to the casino and, yeah. and everything's great. I know that that's not true, but that's the romantic dream that I have in my head of how I would love it to work. But I know that the nuts and bolts behind it is really what's going to make me get to that point. So again, that's why I'm here. So one other piece of advice I'd give you is um, uh, we can kind of wrap up with this. There was a, a speaker friend that we had on the podcast recently, uh, Ty Bennett, and I'll have to look up the, the podcast episode or we'll, we'll put it in the show notes. But, but Ty is someone who has been in the industry for a long time. He speaks at 
over a hundred events a year. He's a very successful speaker. And so he gave the illustration of there's a, a friend of his that I think ran like a chiropractic business. And I may be telling the story wrong, but had it tells a, has a chiropractic business that was very successful, very, very busy, always booked, always full of clients. And they continued to knock on doors uh, to continue to fill their schedule. And I, he said something to the effect of, Ty was asking his friend, like, business is good. Like, why are you still knocking on doors? And he said, I, something to the effect of like, I want it to still be good. And so no matter what, I'm always knocking on doors. And so from Ty's perspective, as someone who does 100 events a year, who's been very successful, he still spends a good amount of his time quote unquote, knocking on doors and continuing to as much as we'd like to, like you said, I do a few talks and it blows up or I write a book and it's just kind of this fairy tale. Like it's a lot of hard work in the same way that we all would say, let's go back to the illustration we talked about earlier. We all would like to, you know, be uh, thinner and sexier and all of the things. And like what we'd like to do realistically is just pop a pill and it fixes all those things. But what has to get done to get those results is a lot more work and it's not fun work. And so I got up early this morning to go work out and I didn't really want to. I felt like staying in bed and I got to pay attention to what I eat. Like the normal things that we're supposed to do, like none of that's glamorous, none of that's sexy. But if we want the result, if we want what's at the finish line, then we have to do the work that gets there, right? Um, And that's where a lot of speakers and a lot of just entrepreneurs in general, and you know this, just aren't willing to do the work or quit long before they get to the finish line just because that because it got difficult and it is hard like as much as we want to like glamorize the you do a couple things and you speak a couple times and it all falls into place like it's just not like that and and i don't think we've we we are very intentional not to sell a untrue dream that is just like speaking as kind of a, a cakewalk and it's awesome it's like yeah some days it's great and some days it sucks but the bottom line is it's really hard work like anything else. But if you want this and this is something that you want to do and you're willing to follow the system, then you can see the results. But again, it comes down to you, you, you doing the work. Sure does. I like to think of it in terms of pain points. You know, when you go to the doctor and you have a kidney stone and they look at you and they say, what's your pain level? And I say 11, right? You know, I think if for me personally, and I think for a lot of people, they get motivated based upon that pain level, right? You hate your job that bad, yeah. right? Are you at a five or are you at a nine? Because it's a big difference. Because at a nine, you're stopping watching Netflix every night and playing video games, and you're looking for jobs and updating your resume, and you're trying to start a business. At a five, you may be just going through it. So that's how I look at things. My pain point was I wanted to get back out there. I wanted to build an income with this because of my other businesses are slower than they used to be. And I just love doing it. Good. And I would totally agree. Like if you're at a point where you feel some discomfort, then it lights a fire under your butt a little bit more to do something, you know, going back to like the analogy of, you know, trying to lose weight or get in shape. There's nothing more motivating than, you know, you're, there's some beach trip coming up and everybody else, you know, is going to be in shape. And so you got, you don't want to be the weirdo on the beach. So you want to look good or, or whatever. Like there's some almost just internal pressure to, I, I got to make this work. I got to figure this out. And so it means you're going to make some sacrifices to get the work done. So it sounds like, you know what you need to do. It's just a matter of now executing on it. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I invest in myself. I invest in programs like the speaker lab. I invest in somebody to help me find my silver bullet, magic bullet for my talk. You know, I invest in those types of things. And so if you're here, you know, you've taken that step, right? If you're listening to this, or if you're part of Grant's program, you've done that first step like I have. It's just a matter of follow through. Now, I know it. Grant knows it. And that's why Grant's here to kick our butts and tell us what we need to do because we want to be successful. We want to make it happen. 
if you're going to do it, you're going to do it. If you're not, you're not. Yeah. Hey man, we appreciate the time. If people want to find out more about you and what you're up to and keep you accountable, just keep tabs on you. Where can we go online to find you? You can just go to jimkukrell.com. That's J-I-M-K-U-K-R-A-L.com. Or if you don't want to remember that, just go to beunskippable.com. Awesome, man. We appreciate the time, buddy. Thank you, Grant. It's great to be here. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jim Kukral. Again, a really good dude. And uh, just feel stuck. You know, how do you get going? How do you, how do you re-energize? How do you rebuild that momentum? How do you do the things that you know you're supposed to do, but you just for some reason can't get yourself to get going on? So good stuff from there from Jim. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. And once again, thanks for hanging out with us. Like I mentioned, if you would like to apply for one of, one of our spots in the Elite program, then uh, we'd love to talk with you. You can go to thespeakalab.com slash apply thespeakalab.com slash apply and there you can register for a strategy session with our team or we can just talk through your business what it is that you're looking for and how we can best help you and support you so again you can go to thespeakalab.com slash apply and check that out thanks for hanging out with us my friends this wraps up episode 231 catch you next time you're awesome you're awesome